Hello and welcome to Profiles in Risk. This is your host, Tony Kangas, and today I have with me David Duford, davidduford.com, basically. <laughs> I don't remember the company name. That'll work. Uh, Good enough. David, how, how's it going today? Hey, I'm doing fine. Thanks, Tony. Awesome, awesome. So, so, so David comes from kind of the opposite side of the insurance industry from me, and, and, and I think from most of my listeners. So basically, uh, I, I found you on, on YouTube when you appeared on another podcast, a podcast that's dedicated to, to selling final expense uh, and Medicare supplement uh, insurance. So very different from, from my audience who largely does PNC. Uh, and I noticed that you have three books specifically about selling insurance, and I'm like, got to get them on the podcast. So, so David, uh, what we normally do is, is we give people kind of the chance to, to give us that commercial, the, the, yeah. the, the, right, the, the two-minute or, or whatever uh, elevator pitch for, for what, what do you do. Yeah, so my name, of course, is David Duford. Uh, I own and operate DeFord Insurance Group. I recruit and train agents nationally to sell things like final expense, Medicare and annuities, both over the phone and face-to-face. Um, I've been in the insurance business since 2011. Started in the final expense business, have an interesting story, at least I think it is. Uh, did well, failed out of the business, came back after having a real job for a while, and then luckily never had to fail again. And started my business, my agency, based around the lessons I learned both not only succeeding but failing too, uh, with a dedication towards uh, the uh, training agents on the craft of selling insurance as opposed to the common uh, Kool-Aid drinking MLM uh, type of hypey agencies that are out there. So uh, that's kind of a little bit about me. I'm a straight shooter, no BS kind of guy, willing to help uh, anybody at any time, especially the new agents out there that unfortunately don't know a lot about how this business works. So uh, yeah, that's a little bit about it. Helping the, the younger crowd that doesn't know how this industry works is exactly why we started Insurance Nerd. So, so very much... Uh, doing the same kind of work, just on the separate side of the industry. Uh, the audience probably doesn't know this, but, but I'll share it today. Uh, my first job with an insurance, if we can call it a job, uh, I got recruited by Mass Mutual to, to sell a whole life. Uh, and and basically, was, I was still working in transportation. They, they, they weren't offering a, a salary. It was like, come and we'll, we'll pay to get you licensed, and then you're on your own kind of thing, right? So I, so I tried to do it, I, I tried doing it part-time. So I was working my full-time job and afterwards going into a mass mutual office in Des Moines and trying to sell a uh, whole life over the phone with zero training beyond the license. Uh, and and the, the goal was to over time make it my full-time job. And I failed horribly. I don't think I sold a single policy in like two months of, of putting in three or four hours an evening uh, literally calling out of the phone book. Uh, I, I don't think that, that, that the don't call list had, had gone through yet. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that was my uh, experience selling on the, on the life side. And I've always said, uh, and, and a lot of PNC agents will tell you that, that selling life side products is a lot harder. That, right? Nobody wants to talk about their death. So uh, we love to take the career approach. So, 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 so yeah, tell me how, how it happened. How, tell me about your career. How did you end up doing, doing what you do? Uh, out of uh, complete desperation. <laughs> so, so you graduated at around the same time I did, right? So I graduated in 2006 from Iowa State. Okay. So you, gra- you graduated in 2006, same as me, degree in business from, from BU. Uh, and and what, what did you do? Well, I've always, I come from a uh, multi-generational entrepreneurial family. My grandfather ran an uh, industrial HVAC uh, sales business. My uncle uh, it was, it is a, uh, a very well-known person in the radio business. And he helped start XM radio back in like 10, 15 years ago, more like 15, I guess now. And then my father ran a chemical company, a, a national chemical company. So, uh, the idea of working for somebody else just wasn't in the cards for me. <laughs> okay. Um. I, I had at the time, um, an interest in personal training and fitness. I had lost a lot of weight as a high schooler and I didn't like the idea of just sitting behind a desk at a job. So as soon as I graduated, I got a job or actually kind of did like a joint venture personal training gym, downtown Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I live with a local uh, business, ran it well, uh, eventually went on my own, did that for a number of years until the great recession hit. 
And uh, I lost clients. I wasn't getting new ones, wasn't making as much money. A lot of us had lived through that, remember what that was like. And nobody was hiring, which led me to this weird business as we know as insurance sales. And uh, got involved there, um, noticed the heavy amount of MLM, multi-level marketing feel or culture that seemed to so, be at least uh, on the life side. Uh, when they, so the first person to recruit you into selling insurance, it, 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 was, it was one of those like, like more focused on recruiting than, than on the actual product? Well, that was the first one I looked at. Okay. But I got the, just the, that feeling in your stomach. It's like, you know, this, this doesn't feel right. I'm, I'm not seeing substance. I'm seeing like Ferraris and private jets and like, I don't care about that. Like show me how to sell this stuff. Right. And, and I did more due diligence and stumbled across an organization that um, trained me how to do this and learn how to actually sell this and did okay for my first 10 or 11 months until eventually through, and I can go into this if you'd like, um, Failed the business. I failed miserably. So when uh, you say you did okay for the first 10 or 11 months, uh, how did that lead you to, to fail? So, so, if, if, so that sounds like, like you, were, you, were, you, you, were getting, uh, you were getting better at it uh, and, and, and uh, creating some momentum. Right. Uh, so so how, how, how did you end up failing out of, out of the business at, at first? So it's, it's funny. You know, I've, I've contemplated this a lot. And I think, I think a lot of people have this penchant. This business of, of insurance sales, at the end of the day, it's simple, but it's not easy. Uh, it's simple because it boils down to activity. It boils down to seeing the people, identifying their needs, and then offering them something that solves their problem. Um, and it's not any more complicated than doing a lot of activity to achieve that goal. The problem I experience is that I'm, I tend to be kind of an analytical engineering type of personality. So I look at a system and I question its veracity. I looked at the marketing system we use in final expense where I started selling burial insurance. So you were only doing final expense? Yes. And the marketing system we use is very simple. It's you send out what we call business reply mailers. Your PNC guys, they're sending stuff like that all the time, except the client fills it out. It's a blind mailer. There's no branding on it. And it gets sent back. Then we door knock the lead or we call and set an appointment. It's very simple. But I was tired of seeing uh, people who weren't interested, who wasted my time, the deadbeats, as I like to say, tire kickers. And so I, I, my contemplative side started thinking, well, how can I avoid seeing those people and just see the people who just give me their money? And I, I believe now looking back, it's a bit short-sighted because with any business model, you have the good and you also have the bad. There's no perfect system where you can just experience the greatness without any of the, the, the tougher side of the business. It, it's, you can't do one or the other, it's both. And, but I devised a marketing system that attempted to do this when at the time I had very little capital. I had no business uh, taking a risk financially on an unproven marketing strategy. I lost a lot of money. All the while I wasn't working um, the system, the original system, which worked a lot better than this concept that I had that failed as well as I could have. And my frustration level grew and grew and grew where I just said, screw it. I'm done with these people. I'm done with this business. And uh, I personally quit the business. And as much as I failed, I said it to the hell with this. I'm not selling. Okay. So, so, so basically you, 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 you tried to, 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 so you recognized that th there was bound to be an 80, 20 relationship, right? That, 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 that 80% of my sales are coming from, from very few of the people. Yes. Uh, but you try to engineer how to find those people and you, you didn't know enough about, you didn't understand the business well enough to, to, uh, to, to be able to, to, to do that yet, basically. So, 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 so you, I thought, you know, there, there is a sense of arrogance when there is a tried and true system that has been proven by multitudes for decades of you coming in as an inexperienced person and thinking that you know better than the, those experienced pros. The, the arrogance of youth. We, we've all been through sure. it. And yeah, I would chalk it up to that for sure. Especially yeah. men. We've all been through it, right? And, and I, I think I, I'm, I'm almost 38. Yeah, and given the year you graduated from college, you're very probably very similar age to, to right. me. So yeah, at, at uh, 22, 23, uh, I, I, yeah, you think you know it all. And it's, it's, it, right? 
it, it, it would be easy to, to, to make that mistake. Uh, and also, I, I'm going to make a quick parenthesis because it just occurred to me that, that some of my listeners uh, might not be nerdy enough about insurance or, or might have never looked at the life side because I, I looked at the life side and got licensed long ago, uh, even though I've never worked on the, on the life side. So, so I do think it makes sense to explain final expense. So, so my understanding of final expense, tell me if I'm right. My understanding, right, and, and, and I know very little about, about the life side, but my understanding of final expense, it's basically a very small, uh, uh, a very small life policy uh, that doesn't build value, right? It's, 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 a, it's a very small term life policy specifically to pay for, for your burial, basically. So, so 10 to 25,000 probably average face value. Am I, am I about right? Yeah, let me, let me fill in a few holes there. Okay, so. perfect. We would call this technically a simplified issue whole life plan. Okay. So mm -hmm. let me explain what that means. Oh, simplified issue. Simplified whole life. Interesting. So it builds value. Yes. Interesting. Okay, yes. Continue. But it's, it's, it is a non-participating whole life plan. So it's not something that it receives or gets dividends. So, mm -hmm. yeah. but the concept sale is not an quote unquote investment grade product where you generate high cash values. The concept is you're going to die. And how are you going to come up the money to bury yourself? Uh, and if people don't have the savings, it's particularly a good value. But simplified issue. There's no examination. So our clients- Just your age, age and, and sex? Uh, yes, it? but there's no urine specimen collection or blood collection. There's no swabs. Simply the companies pull up information on the medical information bureau, the prescription check. Okay. To determine insurability. So it's minimal underwriting. There is mm -hmm. underwriting. Um, but you get an instant decision the moment you're in the home. Uh, you're, if you do an electronic application, they tell you if it's been approved or rated up or declined or counteroffered. Or if you call it in over the phone to get an approval. And being whole life insurance, the rates never increase. The premiums stay the same. The coverage never cancels due to age or health. This is important because while we know we're going to die, we don't know when our funeral is going to be. So if you buy a term insurance plan, there's an element of risk if you outlive said plan. Absolutely. And then the last thing is that um, if the client's eligible, unlike a lot of the brand name, you got, some of you are out there probably heard of Colonial Pen. Uh, they sell this kind of product. Alex Trebek, the Jeopardy guy, endorses them. Um, unlike them, they make their clients wait two full years before they're naturally protected or protected for natural death. Uh, whereas if our clients are eligible health-wise, we may be able to qualify them for first day full coverage. So even a payment in, if they die and they're 100% protected and everything checks out on the underwriting, then they would be fully protected. Two years so late. That is so crazy. I, I hadn't yeah. heard that anywhere else in, in insurance. So, so if, if your policy has a two-year wait, are, are you, you could pay premiums for 23 months, die and have no coverage? How exactly. is that freaking legal? That is crazy. Okay. Whew. Okay, so, so that's the final. Okay, so, so I'm assuming the average client for final expense is a 50 to 75 year old uh, person, basically. I'd say nine out of 10 are disabled or retired receiving a monthly social security check. Okay, so, so they're, they're, they're on, on, a, on fixed income and Absolutely. they're, uh, which, which is a very silly phrase because to be honest, the great majority, majority of employees are fixed income. Uh, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Unless you're in commission, but anyway, they're 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 fixed income and and uh, and and retired. Okay, cool. So so I would have thought that it would be very hard to as a 23, 24, or even thirty year old to sell this product to people twice your age or more than twice your age. Uh, are most of the salespeople like when they start? Are are they are they right out of college kind of thing or or like very young? It's across the board, man. My, so my best agent last year, he wrote probably in the neighborhood of 700 to 750 applications, just strictly final expense. He, two years ago, he was flipping burgers. And I think he just turned 21 last year. So he couldn't even drink until sometime last year. So young kid, exceptionally good. Um, uh, but I have agents that are successful in their 30s, their 40s. 50s, 60s. Um, and if you're young listening to this, I'll tell you this, guys. A, lo a lot of people are, who are getting started have this sort of vulnerability. They're unsure about, you know, how will I be judged being young? The nice thing with burial insurance, and this is kind of a rural dealing with 
seniors is that if you do a really good job and you listen to your clients uh, that are older and you care about them and do them right, they see their grandkids in you. A lot of young people get that. You remind me of my grandson. Okay. You know, and, and I can tell you this with seniors, they like seeing young people who have their shit together. I don't know if I can curse, but it's true. No they, worries. They don't want to see, <laughs> they, all they see are this millennials are lazy and don't do anything. But when they see a kid who actually cares, is, is hustling and making things happen, they respect that. They respect that in, in, in young men and women. So I don't think this stuff actually is a big deal. Um, your, your age is not a factor in this business. I, my, I had an agent a year ago retire at 85. You know, he'd been, he told me in an email, said, yeah, I'm celebrating my 60th anniversary, wedding anniversary. I thought he put an extra zero in there, you know. <laughs> but yeah, age has no factor. In, in okay. This, in and and how, how, is, how is final expense traditionally sold? Uh, is, is, it one of the, is it one of those like door to door, like outside of 2020, I'm assuming things are a little different right yeah. now with COVID, but like up until last year and going forward in, in the new reality, is, is this largely sold kind of door to door? Yes. So um, our clients being seniors, they remember as children, the insurance man coming by collecting premiums on debit policies. Okay. Back before bank drafts were a thing. Mm -hmm. And, and so it kind of is resting in the psyche uh, that that's what insurance people do is they approach them on door knocks or come to them face to face to sell them the policy. Um, now what we advocate particularly in my agency and what many successful final expense agents do that sell face-to-face -face, is they don't door knock cold. They use what we were talking about earlier, these direct mail based lead systems. And so they have something written that the client has filled out, or maybe they're using a Facebook generated lead and they approach the door unsolicited and ask for appointment on the spot to one call closing. Um, that's still, even with COVID, especially now, um, COVID overall, and we can talk about this to the extent you want, is not a problem anymore for face-to-face. -face. It was initially, but not now. Likewise, telesales has grown tremendously in interest for, for all of the same concerns and reasons. So it's been an interesting year, but um, the one thing I can tell you, the pandemic has not slowed down our business model whatsoever. Um, if anything, it's just spawned more interest. Um, whenever there's the threat of death around the corner, and people are thinking about dying, it's only natural to think about, well, what if I die True. and I have a funeral expense True. plan to take care of it? So, so um, let, me, let me get my, my, my thoughts in, in order here. Okay, so, 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 so you try to, so going back to, to your career story, of course, I'm ADD, so sure. we're going everywhere, right? Yeah. So, so you try to, to, to engineer a, a way to, to, to see the right people that were more likely to buy. It doesn't work out, you leave. Uh, so, so wh 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 where did you go? What did you go do? After I failed? Mm -hmm. No. So yeah, I got a job, my first real job ever working for Aramark Uniform Services. So it's the big white truck with the red logo star thing. And what I sold is uniform services. And like I said, it was my first experience in corporate America. It was a low point in my life because as I said earlier, as an entrepreneur, just not made for that. Mm, yeah. Working yeah. for somebody else. And, but it was the best thing in my life that I went through because it, it allowed me to contemplate what I had done to cause my own failure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and the realization was, you know, all of this is my fault. You know, I had been doing well several months prior until I, I thought I was too smart for the business. I got away from the fundamentals of what does work in final expense. And um, I, I realized that especially in life too, certainly in business and in life, you have to take 100% responsibility for your actions and not, it's convenient and easy to blame others for these problems. But it was my decision to make these risks that were uh, not something at the time that I should have even considered. Um, but um, thankfully, uh, I didn't work too long for this job. I did a year full time and worked back in the final expense, frankly, because I needed the money. <laughs> this job wasn't paying the bills. And, uh, but learned a valuable lesson. You know, 
sticking to the fundamentals is critical in this business. It's not a difficult business or it's not a, it's not a complex, it doesn't have to be a complex business. You can make it that way, but it's a simple business and it, it's focusing on the fundamentals that you have to do if you want to have any level of long-term success as many of those that listen to this with success can probably reiterate on. So, so, you, so you came back, uh, focus on the fundamentals, and this time you did see success. And uh, what made you decide to, to, to augment the, the agency with training, with, with, with uh, providing training for others? So let me give you a little timeline there. So at this time, I wasn't training agents. I was just selling myself in the field with prospects. But about six months after I, I started back into the business, um, you know, I got to the point where as a business owner, one of the things to realize or as, as a life insurance agent, one of the weaknesses of our product is that it has no renewal stream. Which is the yeah. beauty of PNC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you PNC guys can go write a bunch of policies and go golf all the time, you know? Like, and then just take care of them. I can't. Yeah, work, work your butt off for 10 years and golf the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, the traditional <laughs> path of the PNC agent, it's harder yeah, right, nowadays. But right, exactly. But it was for a long time. But it's good, right? Because in, in all seriousness, you know, if, if things in life go haywire and you can't work, you're taking care of a sick spouse, your parents, or you need to be there in, 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 in a more present way with something in your life that's personal. It, you can do that with PNC, which is fantastic. You can't do that with life insurance. And at that age, I, I thought, you know, I love to work like crazy. I work six days a week, 80 plus hours a week. I love work. It, it gives me significance and meaning. But I also recognize that there may come a time when I have a bunch of kids, I only had one at the time, where I may not want to work as much, or I may want to have income streams that don't necessarily demand me to sell in the field. So it has to be a way to scale without yes. just working more hours. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So that motivated me to get involved in the agency business. And, and the other aspect of it is I was a personal trainer, like I said earlier, I enjoy training. I love to help agents. And, and, and I thought it was just an obvious opportunity because simply put, the training, I don't know how it is on the PNC side, but the life side, the training is atrocious. And the PNC side, it's, it's largely non-existent. It's, uh, we'll pay for your license, which really won't teach you how to sell at all. Yeah. Uh, and uh, best of luck. That's how it seems to be at most agencies, with yeah. a few exceptions. You work for some agency that the guy knows how to sell, but he doesn't know how to teach you how to sell. Exactly. exactly. A lot of them, it's exactly that. The guy knows how to sell. He doesn't know how to run an agency, much less how, how, to, uh, right. how, how to train you, right? Just, just do what I used to do. Well, that was 30 years ago. It's kind of different today. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right? And, and, and uh, so, so, yeah, the, in the PNC side, it's, it's, it's atrocious. It's a good way to put it in, in most agencies that, that I've seen uh, with, with, with few exceptions. Uh, okay, so, 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 so anyway, you noticed that the training was atrocious at, at most life agencies. Yeah, yeah. So, it was, to me, it was like, you know, and plus, I don't know how it is. I don't think it's as bad in a PNC world, but it's very common on the life side. There's a huge Amway multi-level marketing culture that brings agents in through Craigslist and monster ads, et cetera, and gives them the whole, you know, you can be a millionaire if you just recruit anybody with a pulse spiel. And that's the common strategy that brings 90% of the life insurance agents into the business. It worked, it kind of developed first with Primerica, really not Primerica, A.L. Williams, if you remember him, uh, which turned into Primerica. They were just incredible monster in the recruitment world. And a lot of agencies since then have duplicated the same strategy, which is a deep multi-level marketing based organization where you recruit others to recruit others. And the top of the pyramid, I use the, I don't think they're, you know, illegal, but it is a yeah, pyramid yeah. type structure. Yeah. The top is the one that benefits the most because they feed off of every single policy that's submitted. It's really good for those at the top. The problem is, is that when people who don't know how to sell are influenced to go recruit, well, it's obvious, right? Like why and, and how should a, a, a new agent without any practical real life experience have any business training a new agent as well? which contributes to this huge fallout effect that we have in this business too. 92%, right, is, is the number I've heard of. At least, yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is exactly, but I did a survey on my list and 
We surveyed 104 failed or quit agents and they rated the number one reason they quit. It wasn't because they didn't like the business. That was the least reason why they quit. I thought that would be more common, but the number one reason is because they picked the wrong agency. And again, my list of agents is mostly on the life side, the final expense side. And, and what I learned there is, at least from that small sampling, is that this agency culture of what to say and to stimulate interest without giving substance is, is the number one problem in this business, in my opinion, which made it easy for me as, as far as my strategy goes in recruitment was to be the anti-MLM. Sure, you want to go recruit, you want to follow this, you know, harebrained idea of mass recruitment, go do that. But if you actually want to learn how to sell this stuff and be successful at your own pen from somebody who's actually not just had success, but failure too, you know, to get a realistic view of what this business is like, you know, maybe you should consider what I have to say. So there was nobody really doing that in the market, at least with some sort of, you know, brand recognition. Okay. And so, uh, you, you've been doing the training for how, for how long now? Yeah, late 2013. So okay, so about seven years. Seven years. And, and so, so your clients are largely uh, agents or largely agencies? Or like, I think you, you can, you can help, help both sides, right? Correct. So I started off with the goal of duplicating myself. And any, any agency who gets started from scratch, that's the first goal, is find quality people to work with that will go and sell underneath you so that you can experience an override of a percentage of their production. So that was my, and still is my primary focus seven years later, but because of the fantastic success I've been blessed with, um, I also now have the opportunity to help others build their agencies as well. So I've got a couple of agents. I'm always recruiting agencies, but I can, there's a few in particular that are doing extremely well. They've got great brands. I consult them. They run their business through me. They train agents. They have a specialty that's, that's doing well. So I'm now, in a sense, duplicating myself as an agency and others, kind of showing them the ropes on what's made me successful as an agency and duplicating it in that. So it kind of just expands out from just duplicating yourself to then your agency and then beyond. Okay. Uh, what, uh, what kind of person is successful selling final expenses. So in this case, in this case what, what I'm thinking is there are probably PNC claims guys or even young PNC agents who are struggling right now for whom the question, maybe I should go try final expense is, 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 a, is, a, is a solid question to ask. Uh, right. So, so, so uh, what kind of person is successful in, in, sure. in final expense? Great, great question. So I don't think background matters, first of all. Some people think, well, do you have to have sales experience or have sold, sold anything else? The answer is no to that. Um, I think from a personality standpoint, a couple of things. Number one, you got to be a hunter. This is not a farming business. So PNC agents, I would argue, need to be more uh, uh, focused on keeping business for the long term because that's where the money's at, not on churning business every year and losing business. So there's a little bit more of a different mentality that's required for PNC versus final expense. And final expense is about finding prospects and closing them today and then moving on to the next one. So there's a bit more of just activity, activity, activity to uncover the opportunities. Um, also, you have to be um, uh, accustomed to the market itself. It's a weird market, final expense. Probably the best thing I can relate this to is your final expense market, to put it bluntly, it's poor people. We're selling people that a lot of the times make, and I know it's hard for people new to this concept that people will pay this, but they can, um, make less than $1,000 a month in retirement. They live in government housing, single wide trailers, modest brick homes. They're, they're not of means, um, but they need this kind of stuff because if they die, there's many times the people and their families are in the same economic situation and cannot squeeze out $10,000 to bury them. So this is a demand that they have because they have a sense of dignity that they don't want to pass this burden along to somebody else. So you have to be comfortable inside of a low income type of environment. Uh, the best way I could compare this if, if a lot of your folks are PNC types, if you can think of like the general uh, PNC, 
mm-hmm. yeah. direct auto. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, of specialty auto shops, yeah. Yeah, the, these are like the higher risk stuff. Like that's mm-hmm. your final expense clientele. Maybe a little younger, but the older ones, that's all who you would be talking to. And, it's a, and anybody who works at compared to a state farm client, there's a difference. And it's hard to explain. It's, it's just, you know, I love it. I like the people. It's salt of the earth types. You know, we're not talking to big wig, sophisticated people. You know, we're talking to manual laborers, janitors, you know, people who worked on a manufacturing line their whole life, you know, and they're decent people, but some people just, they don't like that. And that's fine. Yeah. I can can totally, uh, absolutely. If, 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 uh, if, if you come from a very white collar background and you grow up in, 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 a, in, a, in a fancy wealthy suburb or in an upper middle class suburb, uh, you might not be uh, super comfortable uh, in that environment. Uh, you, you'd, you'd have to, to, to learn to, to handle yourself in, in that environment. Yeah, it's, um, just, yeah, it's, just, it's just hard. It's hard to like, it's like yeah. if you know it, you, you, if you see it, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, we're... Some people just don't like it, you know, and, and you really don't know until you do it. But um, yeah, I mean, and a lot of the, our, our clientele, you know, they're mostly high school graduates. Um, you know, they're street smart more than academic smart, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you got to like working with older people, of course. So of you're going to deal with a lot of little old ladies that want to get you something to drink and tell you stories about their cats and stuff, you know, so, <laughs> so yeah, kind of doing, listen to that too. <laughs> okay. So, so, um, thank you. Th- thank you for being so real, by the way. Thank you for being so real on, on like, like the, the, the psychological side. And it really struck me that, so, so my understanding is the average policy is probably 40, 50, 60 bucks a month. Is that yeah, about? thereabouts. Yeah. So basically, ultimately, this is a, a tough sell. Uh, I, I'm not saying a hard sell, right? Uh, but but it is. You're asking them to spend a significant amount of money, uh, right? On, on, a, on, a, on a product that culturally they understand the value of. So 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 there's right. there, there's that advantage, right? Right. Alec Trebek told me that that uh, that, that 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 I should have this, and I don't want to leave my kids with a burden. Uh, so so that's an advantage over PNC or even like like. The, the, the crowd that might be quoting whole life uh, where right like most people see PNC as, as at least in personal lines as something I'm forced to buy. Right. right? The, 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 the government says I have to buy or my mortgage company says I have to buy. I really don't see a value on it until I have a claim. Uh, that's something we struggle. Uh, but generally uh, somebody who makes a thousand bucks a month probably wouldn't qualify uh, right. with, with most standard carriers. Right. Uh, so, so unless you run a specialty auto shop, a substandard, uh, that's not the right word, but, but, uh, a, I can't remember the right word right now. Un- unless you, you work in specialty auto side, I uh, the, like the percentage of, of the person's income that you're asking them to spend on insurance is, is, is much lower in PNC generally. So you have to be comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, so that's a very interesting, interesting dynamic. Okay. So, 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 so once I get in front of the, of the person, what, what, what does the sale look like? So, yeah, I, so I sit down with grandma and she gives me a cookie and milk and, and I say, you know, I, I pet the two cats and, and what, what does the sale look like? Yeah. So real, real, real standard type of sales presentation, nothing, nothing uh, dramatic. I, I, I conceptually design my presentation to overcome objections before they manifest and, to all, and, and the, while simultaneously pre-qualifying them to see if they're a good fit for what we do. I, I teach my reps to not spend time with unqualified prospects. Um, there's no use in spending an hour with Mildred if she doesn't want us to say bank draft or we have to bank draft in this business on a monthly basis or we can't sell them. Or it's a waste of time to spend an hour with Eunice if uh, she doesn't have two pennies to rub together, right? So how so, do you qualify that quickly? Yeah, sure. Uh, five, there's five things we look for in my presentation. Okay. Um, after we build rapport and trust and introduce ourselves, I want to know, does my client need the policy? Do they want it? They're both important, but different. Do they health qualify? That's the least of our concerns. We have guaranteed issue companies, so everybody qualifies as long as they're in the age range. Will they let us draft their bank accounts 
and will they, what is their premium that they are completely comfortable paying? What's their budget? I must know all five of these and have positive affirmation from asking before I proceed to the next uh, phase, which is where we position ourselves relative to our competition. So the way we arrive at that, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, how do we establish need? Well, one of the questions we ask early on is what were your thoughts, concerns when you mailed back this card or requested this information on Facebook? And then we just shut up and listen. Usually they give us some emotionally charged response. I ain't getting any younger. Uh, I'm in a position now where, you know, I lost my spouse. I saw what it cost to bury. It was shocking. I don't want to leave, be a burden to my children. So now we see that there's a need because there's an experience in life that kind of catapulted them. You know, life, life insurance is a life event driven purchase. And many people we talk to lose somebody before they decide to buy. So we hear that a lot. They have to have the desire to buy it. Um, you know, the, they have to have the feeling, the, the, the pain of spending the money has to be less than the pain of what would happen if they didn't. Uh, the burden they would cause. They have to have more love for their family than they would of, of their money. And that's something that you can't tell someone to think. They either think that way or they don't, but we want to arrive at how they, they, if they desire it. And we can usually find it out through the same series of questions. Of course, we ask all of our health qualifying questions to figure out which company they work for, or even if we can qualify them. We need to know if we can, if they agree to bank drafting us. A lot of seniors are, are kind of skittish about getting bank draft information. So I want to know this now, 10, 15 minutes into this, then at the end of an hour long presentation and wasted all my time. And then lastly, we do a technique called selling the premium. If you think about buying a car out there, yeah, we care about what the sticker price is if the van is $40,000, but let's be real. Nobody pays $40,000 for the van. They pay the monthly loan amount, right? Everybody's got a number in their mind. I can afford 500, 600, 700 a month. And then finance at the, at the auto place, the lot's going to make that work for you. And so when we take our, 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 our prospects, we talk about the budget because they're on a fixed income. They know they can't spend a ton of money, but we need to know what they can spend down to the dollar. So we get them to agree up front. You know, if I can qualify for a program today, can you afford between 150 and 200 a month? And then we systematically work it down to the budget they're comfortable with. And now we've got a client, think about it this, this way, Tony. We now have a client that has a need. They have a desire to get it because they know they're not getting any younger. They don't want to be a burden. They don't have enough time to live to save up for this. Their health fits. They'll let us bank draft them. They say that 50 bucks a month is completely fine. That is a hot, qualified prospect. And now I'm going to spend my time and it won't be that hard if they follow my script, the agent at least, to, to sell them on why my product is better than the alternative. Whereas if they don't meet that criteria, I can confidently end the presentation and go to the next appointment. Why would I want to spend time trying to beat someone up to, to buy from me if they don't have the money or the desire to draft or don't have the need? So it's a, it's a strategy that we use to um, preserve our time and, and, and give some dignity back to the agent. So we're not begging them for the business. We're only selling to people that want it and have identified themselves. You, you said something very, very important there. Uh, give some dignity back to the agent. Uh, I, I think that that's a brilliant way to, 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 to think about it. Uh, selling insurance in general is tricky. Uh, we're selling, right? Something that's intangible. It's a promise. Uh, right. And, and, nobody wants to buy it, right? <laughs> like, like in the very best case scenario, they recognize that they have a need, but it's not, they don't get excited to, 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 to buy insurance. Uh, so selling it does, is a, a hard thing. Uh, it's, not, it's not a fun thing. Uh, okay, very, very, uh, this is really fascinating for, for, for me, uh, given that I come from the exact opposite end of, 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 the, of, the, of the industry. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so th there are no companies left that, that, uh, that, that allow you to, to like pick up the check every, every, every month. Uh, There's like, a few, but they're all but gone. You've okay. got to set up a bank draft now. There's oh, not, okay. I ran in, we call those are called debit agents. Uh -huh, yeah, yeah. I've run, I ran into one in Alabama years ago. Like it just doesn't, there's just not very many of them left.
Okay. So, so it's, it's also not the kind of thing where, where they'll just get a bill every month and call in to pay it or mail their own checks. So they yeah. have to be involved. Yeah. You really, <clears throat> you, why, why not? Well, so first of all, companies won't do it, but conceptually, if I send a bill to a client every month, they make a decision every month to buy it or not. A lot, it's a lot more of a defined decision they make and maybe they don't make it one month and now they've lapsed their coverage. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you set them up on bank draft, the beauty of bank draft is you're not looking at your account and ledger balance and considering a, a purchase. It's automatically assumed unless otherwise told that it's going to continue to come out. And persistency is probably dramatically higher because of it. it's why they don't need you know, that's why the debit agent was there because he could badger somebody to pay their premium if they thought about skipping a month or something. But with bank drafts, it kind of replaces that. You, it's automatically assumed it's going to be taken out. So the client doesn't have to think about, oh, I got to pay 50 bucks. Oh, well, maybe I'll just not do this this month. So we want, we have to have our clients bank draft. Otherwise, you know, it just leads to poor persistency and lapse issues, chargebacks, all that. Makes sense. So, so kind of to, to finish up here, uh, tell me about your, about your books. So, so I think you have, you've written three books about, about this topic, right? Uh, um, yes. so, so yeah, kind of like walk me like, like kind of in chronological order on, on, yeah. on each book. Yeah. So chronologically, the first book I wrote, which is over in the corner, it's called, uh, the official guide I, selling final expense life insurance. And, uh, for for the listeners, uh, if you're listening on the podcast side, audio only, uh, the uh, the links will be in the show notes. And uh, if you're watching it on YouTube, then I will have the the uh, cover of each of the books showing while while you talk about that book, and and I'll link them in the show notes. And and you can buy all these on Amazon. So um, that's that's my first book. Uh, it's been published, I think, for five years now. I'm actually going to do a second edition probably next year. It needs some updating. But the book, the purpose of that book is to give you a crash course on how to sell final expense insurance successfully and to give you kind of the no punches pulled uh, opinion of how this business really is. The second book I put together, I don't think you can see either. It's over here. It's called uh, Interviews with Top Producing Insurance Agents. It's actually my favorite book, but it's my least purchased one. Um, I interviewed, I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I profiled about 12 or 15 agents in the book from different backgrounds. We have disability insurance agents, uh, Medicare agents, agency owners, um, successful agents in different fields. And the, and the purpose of the book was to just sit down, kind of like what you and I are doing, and profile how they became successful, to hear their stories. I think there's some, there's some value out of, of a book like that because you get to hear multiple perspectives on six and seven figure earning agents and how they became successful. And there's something I think powerful about trying the figuring out for yourself to connect the dots as the person reading the book. If you're concerned about how to be successful, what, what do successful people have in common? As you read through it, you start to make these connections and, and analyze yourself and see if you're doing or living up to the same kind of standard because you can duplicate success. It leaves tracks. And only if you notice them, you can pick up on it. The third and final book, which you can see behind me, is The Official Guide to Selling Insurance for New Agents. And as that book is entitled, this, this is a short read. It's like three or four bucks on Kindle on Amazon. And I put that video together specifically because, or the book together specifically because of all the same things on multi-level marketing insurance. Um, there's, there's so many agents that fail out of this business. Most in, in my side of the business are brought in through referral. They heard about it. Somebody else says it was great. They don't understand the nuances of this business, the things that they need to be concerned with. And this book is a quick read. It's designed to give you the no BS uh, approach to uh, being in the insurance business, what landmines you need to look out for, what you need to know and what you need to ask if you're thinking about joining. And uh, it's really just a primer to uh, dismiss uh, the, the typical nonsense that's kind of sold to agents uh, unbeknownst to them. So uh, that one's actually, been, that's my best selling book. And uh, probably highest reviewed or, or the number of reviews, the highest it's, it's, it's getting more reviews than a lot of my other books uh, in a positive way. The other ones are positively reviewed too. But they, they're all, they're all reviewed uh, four and a half or five stars on Amazon and, and they have a significant number of, of reviews. Uh, so, so yeah, they're, they're all very well reviewed on Amazon. So, so basically I, I, I would summarize that and correct me if I'm wrong. 
So if you are considering final expense and you, you've never done it, uh, it would make sense uh, uh, selling final expense, the original book. Uh, it would make sense. It would give you a good idea what the business looks like, although there's a new version coming out next year, hopefully. Uh, if you are in the business already and not doing very well before dropping out, you might benefit from reading either the official guide or, uh, well, sorry, they're all called the official guide. You might benefit from reading Selling Insurance for New Agents or the longer Selling Final Expense Insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, and if, if you are doing well in, in the Final Expense business and you're looking kind of for, to, to get to that next level, then the interviews with, with, with top producing agents might make sense. Yeah. I think so. I think all of these books have an important point in the life of an agent, especially the green book. I think that should be, I mean, of course I'm biased. I wrote the book, pay me. <laughs> I think the green book should be required reading the new agent book. Um, because just, there's so much BS in this business that it makes me sick. And that helps even the playing field a little bit for new agents. And then the other ones are great in their own ways, certainly for getting in the final expense. And, and I, and I love cataloging success stories and, I just think that it's always good for new agents who want to know what success looks like and what it takes to get there. Reading these, reading the blue book, the interviews book will help you. And, and you see that a lot of people struggle, you know, success isn't some linear progression where you know exactly what it is. It's just like up and down thing. And, and you got the principle of the hockey stick analogy where you just kind of chug along and then you hit rocket speed. And that happens time and again in many different industries and people have been successful. So you know, that book kind of hope, hopefully reminds people of that and keeps kind of things in perspective. Excellent. And, and uh, so if, if anybody listening uh, wants to, to bring you in as a trainer, either for themselves or for their agency, uh, do, do, is, uh, I think you're in Tennessee, right? But do, do you work uh, all 50 states kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I work, I work, so there's a couple of things. My main source of income and my main business interest is recruiting agents and agencies to sell final expense annuities and Medicare, um, whether over the phone or face-to-face. -face. I do at times do um, consulting arrangements, um, if, if it makes sense, uh, for agencies that are looking for help. Um, not, I, mean, I will help agents, but it's typically the larger agencies. Um, that maybe want some insight specifically with final expense or something like that. Okay. So, so, so really among my listeners. So if, if, so a, a uh, the principal or the owner of a successful PNC agency looking to diversify into the final expense side, looking to bring in a couple of kids to sell final expense kind of, kind of thing, uh, that would be the, the, the one that would really benefit from giving you a call basically. Yeah, and I've, I've definitely had that. And one of the things that we talk about with these PNC guys that, that want to get in the final expense is the nice thing is you've got the ability to cross-sell your existing book of business, life products. You a lot of you guys probably aren't writing life. Most PNC guys I talk to want to stay the hell away from it. I get it. Um, but on the flip side, if you go after final expense, you're also finding a way to find PNC business. So it kind of, you know, one hand washes the other. It's a way to expand out your market in a different way than you're probably doing to find newfound prospects that you wouldn't have otherwise get. And so. I, I used to be the sales manager for American Modern out in California. And American Modern is, is a big uh, mobile home or, or uh, what's it called? Uh, manufactured home is the yeah. official term. Manufactured home uh, carrier. Uh, so some of the listeners are uh, specifically mobile home manufactured home agencies. Uh, and I, I think that, it, that in their case, there's a ton of cross-sell opportunity there. So yeah, if, if, you're, if you're listening, because I know you from, from back in the day when, when I was your sales manager for American Modern, and you've got a large uh, book of, of manufactured homes and you're not doing final expense, it might make sense to give but, it a try to. Ladies and gentlemen, um, when I see trailers, I think dollar signs, okay? Final expense uh, just goes hand in hand. Uh, single wides, double wides, just the type of people. And I'm not making any judgments or anything at all. Please don't get me wrong. Um, just, yeah, I mean, it's a thing, you know, it's the clientele that owns mobile homes tend to be lower income and they tend to skew older. It seems to be, 
And these are perfect people that want what we have to sell. Yeah, salt of the earth, of the earth people. I, I, and and the, the beauty about insurance, the great majority of insurance, there are exceptions, but the great majority of insurance, we're, we're making money while helping with a real need, right? If, if I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to, to, uh, to, to sleep if, if I were uh, teaching people or, uh, how, how to sell uh, uh, what, what, uh, payday loans or like, like other predatory type of financial instru instruments. Uh, I truly believe that what we do in PNC and in the, in the life side, uh, health, I'm a little more, <laughs> the health insurance side, I'm a little more distant from, uh, but, but in, in PNC and, and, and in life, uh, we're, we're helping people with the need they have. Yeah. So, so, so the final expense product, uh, the way you described it, 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 it makes perfect sense, uh, for the, the, uh, I don't know how to put it, the, the working class. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I, was down in a little town called many years ago, Somerville, Georgia, and got a lead card back. And um, it was a man who was 62, mechanic, worked for a private, uh, you know, worked on, I don't know, big rigs or, you know, trucks, something like that, 18 wheelers. And uh, he was getting married to this lady and um, he, he smoked and he had COPD. I mean, I know it's bad, but he did. And uh, because the collection of companies we had, um, we're brokers. That's what I teach agents and final expense to do, to sell different companies. We're able to find them a policy to where we provide them full protection from the first day. And if you've ever written life insurance before and have had to deal with COPD, um, it's tough. It's not, it's chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. It's not good. And it's hell, he smokes and just makes it worse. So, um, I say this because this just to kind of exemplify the kind of work that we do. You know, you mentioned we're helping people and we are, and that's, what's great. Um, all we sold the guy was an eight or $9,000 policy burial plan. Somerville, Georgia is just your typical rural, small town, nice place. Um, cost of living is pretty low. So that did the job, but a year and like three months later, I got a call from his fiance and, and said that he died. He passed away. He was being, he was getting in a colonoscopy and they punctured his colon and he bled out and became septic and just died. It wasn't even the COPD. And because we were able to get him first day full coverage, um, he, his fiance had enough to, to take care of things financially. Turned out there was some bad blood between his and her family and um, she was kind of left out in the cold, but this was a difference maker, you know, after he had passed away. And had he had bought, and this is kind of the other point, you know, a, a colonial pen plan, like we described earlier, that doesn't cover for the first two years. Imagine he, the fiance wouldn't have gotten nothing, but the premiums back, a very small amount. And because we showed up and took a chance to help these people, you know, this, this, you know, surviving spouse, basically fiance, her life was made better. And for somebody who's making a marginal income, she was disabled making a thousand or less, probably less than a thousand, you know, $8,000 is a life changer for some. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's probably, it's, we do good work. We do good work. Yeah. That, that's the beauty of our, of our industry. David, th thank you. Thank you uh, very much for coming on the show. I, I will, I, I will include uh, links to, to your LinkedIn, uh, you. your website and the books. Yeah, so if anybody has an interest in the, in the final expense side, if, if nothing else, it's definitely being interesting for me. And I always think it's interesting to learn about other sides of, of, our, of our industry. Uh, so, so thank you very much for, for agreeing to, to come on. Yeah, you got it, man. Anytime. Take care, okay?